Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, Once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. Did you see that clip from this week where Kamora Lee Simmons was on Entertainment Tonight and they were asking her about potentially joining Beverly Hills? Did I see that clip of Kamora Lee Simmons? It's all I've been thinking about. I've been dying to talk about it with you. I'm such a Kamora Lee Simmons stan. Like, seriously, Kamora Life in the Fast Lane, her old reality show, I think was one of the things that sort of like awoke an obsession with reality TV (laughs) inside of me. Like I used to watch that show, not just religiously, but on repeat. Like I remember it was one of the shows I had bought on iTunes and I would watch it on my like little iPod nano whenever I was in the car. I mean, she is, she is so iconic. So to see her even talking about housewives, let alone entertaining the idea that she would ever be on and saying that producers are calling her every single season was honestly like life-changing for me. (laughs) Me too. I mean, first of all, it made me feel proud of the producers. I'm like, yes, this is the exact casting that you should be going for. And I love the persistence. Keep it up. Number one. Number two, Kamora Life in the Fastlane, I think premiered back in 2007 or something. I mean, we were around 13 years old. And I so, as you were talking about the iPod Nano, I was going right back to that time. It was such a pivotal moment in my life. And honestly, this is so embarrassing. But her and Russell live not that far away from where I grew up. And I was so obsessed with it that when I would have friends come, like my camp friends, I would literally have my parents drive me past her house so that they could see the gates with the S's on them because I thought that it was like a New Jersey royalty. (laughs) God, I just love Kimora and I think she's such a big personality and it's not just because of who she is, it's because of like who she is inside. So then her status and her history and her brand and her whole like larger than life thing on top of that is just... Seriously, like when you just said it made me have faith in casting, that's how I feel. Like that's the kind of woman we need. I need just 10 Kimuras around because that's the kind of show and the direction they should be going in. I know, but you know, back to the conversation we have constantly, why does someone like Kimura Lee Simmons, who's viewed relatively favorably and has all of the perks of fame without... I don't know, really being ridiculed constantly on social, want to put herself in the reality TV world in this way, in the housewives way, where it's like a bloodbath. 
I know. I mean, the way that Kimura was talking about it, she doesn't really watch TV and she was sort of asking the reporter, like, aren't they just always fighting all the time? Aren't they just rude to each other? And you're right. Like, what does Kimora Lee Simmons have to gain from Housewives? I mean, I think for you and I specifically, she will always be very iconic and relevant. Like, I am stalking her daughters on Instagram still and I get like, I'm like, oh, I can't believe how old Aoki is, you know? But I know. <laughs> For Kimura and for her brand and for baby fat and any other things that she maybe is launching, you know, the relevancy is very 90s, early 2000s. So let's say she wanted to like really bring it back or really do something huge. Housewives is an amazing platform and make it like, hey, you know, I'm back. Could you imagine her and Garcelle? No, I cannot. That is the dream team. It doesn't even exist yet. And that's the dream team. You know, the, the meme, imagine a society if, that's imagine yes. a society if Kamora Lee Simmons joined Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and was on a team with Garcelle. I mean, forget about it. Forget about it. And Kathy Hilton, throw that into the mix, forget it. Oh my God. Kathy Hilton and Kamora Lee Simmons at lunch could possibly make me laugh so hard that I would die. <laughs> Well, it's not that far off because Kimora is very close friends with Kim and Kathy's very close friends with Chris. I mean, I'm sure that they have had many of uh, gatherings together. Oh, I'm sure. And I just I just want to be a part of them. Yeah, me too. I mean, listen, there wasn't even a new episode of Beverly Hills this week, but a lot going on online. I'm, I'm sure you guys saw this. We'll get into it. But it was really nasty. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I was not expecting this at all. There's a lot of moving parts. We're going to get into all of it, and we'll put a lot of links in the description and also some other accounts that have everything saved in highlights because it's kind of visual and there's a lot of reading and post involved, but this was just terrible from beginning to end, seriously. Yeah. I mean, this kind of all started with Diana and Garcelle going back and forth because basically Diana had posted a screenshot of that text going back to when she sent the text to the group saying she wasn't going to be there. She's on bed rest. And in it, one of her texts was, I usually wouldn't share this in the group text because it makes me look like a whining bitch, but Garcelle might think I'm rude. So here it is. So she posted a screenshot of that message circling the text where she misspelled Garcelle's name. And then slide two of her Instagram was Garcelle responding to someone's tweet who was kind of making fun of Diana for misspelling Garcelle's name. So she makes her caption, hmm, my grammar and spelling might be off for sure, but bottom line is I lost my baby at 18 weeks pregnancy in the most violent way and nearly died in the process and I'm ridiculed for spelling someone's name. Fascinating what, quote, fan favorites get away with. Go on trolls, do your worst. Oh wait, you already did that. Reality Blurb then writes an article about this post. Okay, so the headline for the article is Diana Jenkins accuses Garcelle of ridiculing her over misspelling her name in miscarriage texts and Shades shows fan base as, quote, worrisome. Garcelle quote tweets that and says, I would never ridicule another woman over a miscarriage. I've had three miscarriages. I don't wish that on anyone ever. Everyone needs to calm down. She tags Diana. Diana then responds to that and said, Garcelle, there are more text messages and you know that. So they were kind of going back and forth. And then it really started to take a turn when Garcelle's 14-year-old son, Jax, his social media was getting flooded with really, really hateful comments. A lot of them have been deleted, but I want to read you a few just so that you can kind of understand the tone of them. And we'll get into some of the theories in a second. So they were things like, can you please stop critiquing and belittling Diana with her grammar? Your whole family are immigrants. Garcelle, worry about you're the real being canceled and leave Erica alone. Garcelle, have you checked out Oliver's drug intake yet? Worry about that rather than worrying about Erica. So it was a flood of these disgusting comments, and most of them seemed to be aligned with Team Diana or Team Erica, 
which was kind of just bizarre and suspicious in nature. But then the bot theories kind of started to surface. Do you want to get into some of those? Yeah. I mean, I think people all of a sudden realize this huge influx. And also, why are they targeting Jax, Garcelle's poor son who just has like an Instagram with a couple of posts probably to interact with his friends? Things felt like very weird. There was a tweet from the account at OChadwick that said, I ran quite a few of these accounts through Bin Verified and they're all bots. No traceable online history. I'm not going to assume who sent them, but it's very interesting timing considering last weekend's posts. And once people started to look more into the accounts, it appeared like the large, large majority of them were bots. They were accounts with no history, with maybe 50 followers that all had posts posted in the last day or so. And like I said, they were I'm not all of them, but I would say 90% were seemingly taking Diana's side and specifically calling out Garcelle for calling out her misspelling. So I don't know. It's like for me, I cannot stand Diana. Don't get me wrong. But I would even initially had a hard time believing that she would stoop as low as this because it's children involved. Like who does that? You have to be such a sick person to do that. No, the whole thing is just absolutely insane to get the kids involved, but I really don't know what to think. So Garcelle then tweeted, I'm usually a very strong woman. I've been raised to be strong. My life has taught me to be strong. But when it comes to my kids, it hurts. It's not okay. I've been in tears all night. It's just a TV show. People scream at your TV, throw something at your TV, but leave our kids alone. Rinna then posted a story saying, we're doing a TV show. We try to entertain you. Why can't you treat it like wrestling for God's sakes? Love us, love to hate us, but leave the kids alone. What I was just saying about Garcelle's son is disgusting and unacceptable. What I heard happened to Portia is disgusting and unacceptable. What you've said and done to my own kids is disgusting. The threats to Erica's son, and I'm sure all of the other beautiful children. They didn't sign up for this. What are you doing? The kids, all of our kids should be off limits so it stops now. Enough is enough. And Garcelle then posted on her story a statement from her son, Jax, that said, from Jax, well, I'd like to start off by saying that I'm still a kid and wish not to be viewed as a fully matured adult because I'm not one. It's currently my first week of high school, and instead of enjoying it like most kids at my school, I have to deal with being attacked on social media. I did not sign up for the show, nor do I have anything to do with the show's drama. I just want to be a normal kid. The purpose of my Instagram account is not for publicity, nor the public's gaze, but to be seen by my peers as just another kid. I really wanted to avoid going private, but I just have to at this point. The constant support from everyone makes it much more tolerable. However, middle-aged women spamming me with racist and crude comments about my family is not what I expected for my first week of high school. Thank you for all the positive comments. It truly means a lot to me. And Bravo then posted a statement saying, We're shocked and appalled at the social comments directed at Garcelle's son. We urge our viewers and social followers alike to refrain from targeting our cast and their families with harmful rhetoric. There's also now a change.org petition called Petition for Bravo to Launch Investigation on Targeted Bot Attack Towards Garcelle's Son. So, I mean, it just got really, really nasty. And not to say that Housewives fans don't hit below the belt occasionally, but the way this felt so carefully orchestrated and targeted, I think, is what was so alarming. And then to hear that statement from Jax and just to imagine him, who is so uninvolved in the show and probably doesn't care or want anything to do with it in the first place, have these 
stream of comments coming in while he's just like a kid in high school. It's absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, to the point where Bravo had to put out a statement where I'm sure a lot of people who follow the Bravo TV Instagram account had no idea what was happening. I mean, this was all very online and very social media based and a lot of Twitter talk. So now it's opened up to like a larger mainstream conversation just about A, what was happening in this specific situation and B, that everyone just needs to take a breath. And this is just reality TV and everybody doesn't need to start getting absolutely hateful and terrible to not only the housewives, but to their family and seeking out their children on Instagram. Oh, no, it's disgusting. But I mean, the thing is, I feel like we can say with almost full certainty that a large, large majority of these accounts were bots. Once you start to look into it, you can see. I mean, you can very clearly tell a bot account. So the real question is, who was this orchestrated by? They didn't just show up. Well, that's why I thought this petition was particularly interesting because Bravo making a statement and asking quote, people to not be so mean and to back down is one thing. But I guess that wasn't really the problem here when you look into it. It's really who bought the bots. Right. And you have to look at the themes of the comments because the large majority of them were taking Diana's side and then some also taking Erica's side. So even if removing the possibility that Diana and Erica bought them themselves, I mean, I think that that's like a really bold accusation that you can't entirely make without proof. Whoever was doing it, clearly had an alignment with them or was on their side, even if it's not something that they knew. And that in and of itself is concerning. Honestly, I hope for everybody's sake that they do find out who bought the bots because truly, like, let's flip the table. What if it wasn't Diana and Erica? Like who bought it on their behalf then? Or who do they have someone else like that would feel that strongly? Or was someone trying to frame it to look like they bought the bots? Or who has enough hate in their heart to let a kid go through it for the sake of what? The show? That's what I'm saying. Going back to the Kimura conversation, when you decide to join the show, I think that you have to take all of these things into account. Obviously, you never expect that your family is going to get hate like this. This is entirely unwarranted. But it you know, becomes a family thing. And I just think to enter this world is a decision you have to make really carefully. Again, I don't think that if you ask ourselves, she would regret joining Housewives. I mean, I think it's been great for her. And I would say that for her kids, it's probably on the whole been positive. But a moment like this is really scarring. It's so deeply unfair. It's so unfortunate. So I just, you know, it doesn't come with the territory. I'm not trying to normalize this. This does not come with the territory. This is abnormal. This is not okay. It's completely unacceptable. But it does open you up to even people as sick as this. I wouldn't be surprised at all if she left the show after this because you do not join the show thinking that something like this could possibly happen. You join saying, you know, to your kids, you can be on or off as much as you want. It's a platform. It helps Garcelle and her business and rising tides raise all ships and it's helping her image and get more jobs. And she's a host and she's launching businesses and whatever. Like that obviously trickles down and helps her children, but you never expect that it'll directly affect them and end in like a bullying, terrible attack specifically on one of your kids. I mean, I would just not blame her at all if she said, I can't do this anymore for the sake of my kids like what what would that look like no I wouldn't blame her either are you kidding I mean I'm not a parent but I can imagine like how heart-wrenching that must have been for her to wake up and see that I don't think that's gonna happen though I would be really surprised if it did but again I wouldn't blame her I couldn't blame her how could you I'm curious how this conversation will go down at the reunion because it's very 
like I said before, sort of fourth wall breaking and granular on social media of like the details and the timeline and who said what and replied and commented and everything. I wonder how that conversation will go. And also, what if we have an answer by then? Like, what if they figure out who the bots were by? Or what if something else kind of happens? I mean, that would just be a wild turn of events. And I'm I'm hoping we'll get to hear sort of exactly what went down and maybe some details that we don't even know. Yeah, for sure. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, not as they really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. I'll tell you one thing, Love and Vanita had the right idea with getting the hell out of Dodge there. I wanted to get out of there, honestly. <laughs> like I, The anxiety level going on at Frank Lloyd Wright's house is just not okay. No, Frank Lloyd Wright had no idea what was coming for him. I mean, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was some shit. I mean, listen, just to start it off with the Craig Austin Shep stuff, we knew there was going to be a resolve. Obviously, they constantly fight and then, you know, mill it over and they end up being fine. I will say that it's evident to me, even though definitely worrisome. It's very evident to me that Austin and Craig's relationship is in such a healthier place than Shep and Craig's relationship. 
I think the difference is that they have a much more solid foundation. Like Shep and Craig started off all those years ago with sort of this like animosity going on. And Shep, again, will get into this for sure. But his personality of like really ragging and being hard on Craig has always been there. Whereas Austin and Craig, like I think they know deep down, no matter what, that they really love and like respect each other. And that if at the end of the day, there was something there, like they know that their thoughts about each other aren't so dark. So I feel like it's easier even when they bicker like an old married couple all day and night. And even sometimes they do really hit below the belt and say, I don't want to be friends anymore. They know that's not true. And they are able to bounce back from that. I mean, I don't think it's healthy, but at least it's something to cling on to. Whereas Shep, it's like, it could be a lost cause. He's he's a hard person. We said this last week and this week, I think the theme of this episode is Shep is a really difficult person to be in any sort of friendship or relationship with. It was rough to watch him this week. I mean, the stuff with Craig, yeah, it's annoying, but we've seen it before. It's really nothing new. I think now that Craig is doing so well in his life, maybe it's amplified a little because I think Shep, even though he'll never admit it, has a little bit of a hard time with that. You know, the the entire basis of their friendship was kind of Shep and Whitney being able to rag on Craig. And then all of a sudden when you can't rag on him, I think for Shep, that's a, a really strange like rerouting that he has to do. Not an excuse, but I can at least kind of understand it. The Taylor stuff, this guy is a raging narcissist. The way that he handled that argument from start to finish, which I swear to God we could do an entire episode on, was like textbook abusive narcissist. Shep really has such a dark side. And I think it's easy to forget when he's in this mode of just like goofy, always the bachelor, like Peter Pan lifestyle. And then you see him flip. I mean, his temper is no joke. And that applies to basically any person that he interacts with. Like he doesn't discriminate. I mean, even later, Marcy is saying like, that's who Shep is. He'll curse at his mom. So that's not an excuse for his behavior, but it it shows that this is like a real pattern and Taylor is just the latest person in his path. No, it's not an excuse at all, but it does give some added context because it shows you that he's never been told no. He has never been sat down and said, you can't speak to people like this. And of course, he should know better obviously. But he's been able to go through his life with really no complications and been able to treat people like this. I mean, when you really take a step back, I know I know there's so many different layers to this. So I don't mean to like oversimplify it. But if we take one of the more trivial aspects, which is this was over a fucking egg toss. You know, what about when there are real life problems and it's not just Taylor stepping on an egg? Because even in this, after the whole blow up, he still felt when reflecting on the situation that his behavior was warranted because he couldn't get it out of his mind that she stepped on the egg and that was a, quote, wrong move. Like, to me, that should be the lowest grade argument for one to be able to rise above. And the fact that he still could not put his pride aside, even for something as stupid as that, it's so concerning. I mean, it's kind of like a poetic walking on eggshells when you really look at that metaphor. No, it's it's scary what he blew up over. The theme of this episode was just toxic Shep because his attitude and everyone seeing it, which I think is another element of just the pure embarrassment that Taylor felt. And then also this realization of like, holy shit, I can't let him talk to me like that. It was over an egg toss. And he was doing that. Clearly, he's done that in private. And that's just 
quote, who he is. But then to do it in public and all of her friends have this reaction, specifically Naomi, a really strong reaction to his behavior, I think was such a wake-up call for her. And I'm so glad that that happened almost because, you know, in in private – there's not really anyone else to sort of jump in if she's just letting that behavior happen all the time. But because he couldn't control himself and was happy to do it in public and also saw nothing wrong with it and then came to her and said like, oh, I could have said something worse. I should have said something worse. I mean, clearly their relationship was crumbling and she seems exhausted. But I feel like when we were asking what was the straw that broke the camel's back for them to break up, this felt like a very pivotal moment. It totally was because she was having a realization that she's very desensitized to all of this. I mean, the most telling moment to me of this entire argument is when she says, I didn't even hear him say that. It wasn't even until Olivia threw the egg that I realized, holy shit, he did just say that to me. Which if you really want to break that down, what she's basically saying is that this is such a frequent occurrence, maybe not those exact words, but these blow-ups and treating her in such a disrespectful way that to her, it wasn't anything out of the norm. The only reason that everyone else reacted like that, or most of them, is because they had never heard him speak to her like that. So for them, it was shocking. But for her, she's basically saying, yeah, this is kind of par for the course. And, you know, Taylor, obviously we don't know her that well, but she really just seems like such a sweet soul. And it's very unfortunate that like her sweetness and her ability to kind of go with the flow is taken such advantage of and now really being turned into like a punching bag. No part of that is okay. You know, I have to tell you, I was so glad at that Olivia, not that this is something you should be like applauded for. I think that's what you should do. But sometimes in the moment, you don't really know what to do. It's an uncomfortable situation when someone is fighting and when there's not a, a physical argument happening, I think sometimes even people that mean so well can hesitate a little to jump in. But Olivia immediately was like, Shep, you cannot talk to her like that. And same with Naomi. And I really appreciated that because I think that if they didn't have that reaction, Taylor wouldn't have had a reaction and nothing would have come from it. And also tangling it in with present day, something I find interesting and I'm really curious to see how we got here is Shep and Taylor are broken up, but They've been posting a lot together. Like Shep posted something, visiting Taylor's new puppy and like things like that. And I get maybe they were better as friends because some of the toxicity perhaps goes away and she can feel like she can do what she wants and be with someone who respects her more. But I don't know. It feels like a really dark place right now. And I wonder how they get out of that. Also, I I really want to know your take on this because I know you noticed this too how willy-nilly he is to just throw around, like, fine, go be with someone else. Find someone who kisses the ground you walk on. Like, he is so quick to, like, almost discard her or, like, say, like, oh, I know, like, look for someone else that's not like me. Like, I know that's what you want. Isabel, it is textbook narcissist behavior. He cannot even acknowledge his wrongdoing and he immediately takes it of like, you know what? You're right. I'm not that guy. This is me. Take it or leave it. Here's how I am. Like the level of pride and and inflated sense of self-importance you must have to spin the situation to that. I mean, let's backtrack for a second before they were even in the conversation. When he is on the tennis court and Whitney comes over to him and is like, listen, I'm telling you, you should go talk to Taylor. When he storms off from the tennis court to her room, the entire time he is so pissed that he even has to have this conversation. He is so pissed that after screaming at his girlfriend over a fucking broken egg, calling her a fucking idiot and telling her he should have said something worse, that she has the audacity to be upset over it. Like, 
the it, what it can't compute in his mind because he doesn't view himself in a, a realistic way for a guy who actually I think in a lot of ways can be considered very intelligent but his sense of self is so twisted because he's never been told no and that's what you get when you have a 40 something year old man that has never been told no it's also a mix of the narcissism and just the misogyny and toxic masculinity when he's storming me like, oh, the wussification of America. You know, everybody cries. Everybody always has to say they're sorry, even if they're not wrong. Like he views everything in such just this harsh, stubborn, terrible way. Like I was so, oh, he was making me cringe how just awful his core was. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. The whole thing was, I just, I don't know. Like when he gets out of this cloud of anger and rage, I mean, even if it takes till the end of the trip, like what will the conversation look like when they get home? I wonder if we're going to get to see that because- I want to see, is he able to look back and be like, oh, I that was a different person who came out and sort of like objectively view his behavior or is he still going to fucking stand behind it? Okay, here's the thing. And to me, this is arguably the most important element of this entire situation. When you just said there, will he be able to look back on it and say, wow, that was really another person? Here's the issue. 
he has made it very clear that's not another person. That's him. As he said to her in his most high-strung state, that's me. Take it or leave it. She is the one that makes excuses for him by saying, when you go into that mode, it's like something comes from inside of you. That, In theory, yeah, that makes sense. But what's inside of you is you. That's him. That's his real self. That's not some alter ego that just occasionally comes out. He is showing you exactly his true colors. And the scariest part is that he owns it. He's not having a moment where like, God, I don't even know what happened to me there. I I just really lost myself. I think everyone has afforded a few of those. I think in the heat of certain moments, you're allowed to have some grace. That's not what this was. This wasn't a one-off. This was his true personality that just was on display, just so happened to have cameras there. God, Leva and Vanita did have the right idea. They they didn't even, they got out of there before that even went down. This was just the dinner that sent them over the edge, and I do not blame them at all. On a lighter note for a second, because I actually need to just lower my blood pressure and not talk about Jeff for a second, can we briefly discuss Whitney and Naomi? I'm obsessed (laughs) with watching this. I don't care if it's real or fake. I don't care if it was like a one weekend rendezvous. Whitney and Naomi are the like the odd couple. They're so (laughs) mismatched, not not looks wise, just personality and like the way that they are like Naomi's like so like cool and like calm and collected and Whitney is just so quirky and has like the funniest way with words and is so just elitist of like can we do something more upscale than egg toss and when she's walking in oh you have such a wonderful gait just the way you walk with elegance like that is Pat's son right there you know like you just know and it is she's like what are you talking about No, no. When Craig is hitting the sword against the door and Naomi is in Whitney's bed, like, I can't believe, as Paige said on the phone, like, what a ridiculous circumstance to be. And that's how I felt. It just, it is such a beautifully ridiculous circumstance. And I agree with you. I don't care if it's real fake for the show, not for the show, if it's a one-off thing that'll never happen again. I am obsessed with living this little mini reality. Thinking about them just rolling around in Frank Lloyd Wright's bedroom, (laughs) Whitney, like with his glasses on and his mustache and probably like a pea coat. I just, it's too much. It's really too much for me to think about. I mean, let's cut the bullshit for a second. Talk about like a sex tape you'd like to see in a hypothetical world. Are you kidding me? I got to know what's going on in there. I would do literally anything. (laughs) I feel like he's just in awe. I feel like he's just like, how did I end up in this situation? Literally record scratch freeze frame. I bet (laughs) you're wondering how I ended up here. And it like rewinds all the way back to like season one, like Craig and Naomi dating. Then they broke up and then Craig and Paige got together. And then Naomi and, you know, Matul got together. Then Naomi and Matul moved to New York. And then Matul cheated on her the minute they got there. And now we are in Frank Lloyd Wright's mid-century bedroom canoodling (laughs) it's the the whole thing is it's really stranger than fiction also i will stand by this as i said last week no part of me thinks that craig has any feelings for anyone other than Paige. truly i think he is madly in love with her and i really do hope that they end up together however he was bothered by this he was absolutely bothered by this and i don't know i mean i know people have a lot of different opinions on this to me it's like He has no right to be mad at all, obviously, but you're allowed to feel a little bit of a certain way, even if it's not necessarily warranted. 
Yeah. And I think it's easy to mask it as like, Whitney, you're not following bro code. But really, it's like there's like a gut feeling that probably really sucks a little jealousy. And also, I think it bruises his ego that in a way that fact that she went straight from him because they had the recent hookup to Whitney. And like, look, I love Whitney to death, but I just feel like he thinks that's sort of like a downgrade or it's kind of weird. It's a weird pairing. It it doesn't feel right. Like even when Austin first told him, he was like, ooh, going like from me to Whitney, like that kind of sucks. And so the element of like the a little bit of hint of jealousy, kind of being weirded out by the whole situation, such an unlikely duo and that bruise to his ego, the whole combination, I think he just doesn't even really know what to do. And Craig is definitely getting more and more mature, but I also think sometimes he gets really swallowed by his own emotions. No, of course. And like I said last week, the only difference is that he has a camera in front of him so he can't entirely hide it, which I know we didn't see this this week, but that preview for next week when Paige is sitting <gasps> on the porch, like to me, give that to me all day. Inject that shit into my veins. Paige and Naomi sitting on the front porch and Paige saying, I just want to get right to it. Do you still have feelings for Craig? Are you fucking kidding me? That is like prime time content. I need it. I need the sit down. This is like the sit down we've been waiting for. This is like Oprah Winfrey and Meghan Markle status right here. I feel like there should be like Barbara Walters, like the sit down America's been waiting for. <laughs> I know. I mean, when Paige says, you know, it's different being in New York than being in Charleston in New York, we just tell people to go fuck themselves to their faces. Like clearly this is a much scaled down version, but I think being at that direct is not necessarily something that Naomi would have anticipated. Yeah, no, I mean- this is going to be good. I need it. I'm so excited. This season is just insanity. There's so many people, so many moving parts, and this new Naomi and Whitney element is really – I mean, we thought this season was crazy before that happened, and then they dropped that bomb on us. Forget about it. By the <laughs> way, funniest comment ever. Emma and I have been laughing about this for three days straight. Um <laughs> On Side Piece Show, which is another Bravo podcast, they posted some collage photo of Naomi, Whitney, and Craig. And Patricia just comments, terrible photo of Whitney. (laughs) Emma texted me, literally, we talked about it the night before, and I was like, okay, I'll post it tomorrow. Literally like 6 a.m., we got to post that Whitney comment. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, your eyes aren't even open yet. That's what you're thinking about? I was going to say, I opened my eyes and texted you, did you post Whitney yet? <laughs> I was dreaming about that comment. It was so yeah. funny. We were laughing out loud. Yeah, we were laughing out loud. That one killed me. I mean, the uh, Olivia Austin conversation, not to really get too much into it because I almost feel like <laughs> – Honestly, I wrote in the notes, do you see? I do not care about this. I don't care. Like, we saw them for one minute go on, like, two dates. Like, I have no ground base to actually care about it. When their scenes are on, if I didn't have to recap them, I would 100% be fast-forwarding. So my thing is I'm not invested in the slightest. I think I'm just perpetually amazed at Austin's immaturity. You know, it's it's not even like I look at him in the way that I look at Shep. I don't feel that he has this like real evil, spiteful side inside of him in that same way. I just am blown away at his continued immaturity. It's almost like he is an expert self-sabotager. Yeah. he. I mean, he's good at what he does. He is good at what he does. I mean, that's why when people say, you know, how did Madison and Austin last this long? Literally, this is why. Because you are dealing with two people who get absolutely off on riling the other one up. 
honestly, if they were able to get along, like they could fuck some shit up together. They would be a dynamic duo just to like be messy and petty. Right. Like if you want to talk the most chaotic, unhealthy duo ever, like, yeah, they could be the best at their sport. I mean, I'd hire them for something. I don't know what, but I would. <laughs> they're like, the, they're like, for example, if they had kids together and their daughter's boyfriend cheated on her, they are the parents that orchestrate the takedown of like the 12th grade boy, you know? <laughs> yeah, it would be like reverse spy kids. Instead of saving people and getting rid of the bad guys, they like are the bad guys. <laughs> People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I want to start out at Atlanta with a fun fact we found out last week, which other people may know. I honestly had no idea. So Sonia had a short-lived reality show in 2013 called Sonia's Glam and Gold. And the description was, this series follows four-time U.S. Olympic gold medalist, track and field superstar, Sonia Richards-Ross, as she reveals her fast-paced life and high-profile marriage to NFL star Aaron Ross. It was a short-lived series, like I said, six or seven episodes, but I just think that it's important knowledge to have as we continue to try to understand her from a reality TV perspective. It is really interesting. I mean, for me, it just gave me a little more insight into her personality and maybe her desires. 
Yeah. I mean, to put it really simply, if we want to base it off of this week's episode, it just makes a little bit more sense as to why she felt that she could take on Kenya, you know? Yes. <laughs> to, to me, when it comes to housewives across the board, Kenya's really up there with the top in terms of people you don't want to have conflict with because 99% of the time she's going to win with her words. And it's not that I you know, come down on Sonia for trying. Hey, it's, it's worth an effort. I think it was more so the confidence with which she goes into a Kenya takedown and it just, it didn't land for her. Right. I mean, I think we've been trying to understand her this whole season. I mean, just for one second, that Kenya interaction with Sonia at the dinner, when Kenya asked her, for example, and she's like, hold on, let me think about it for a minute. I was <laughs> laughing out loud. I don't know why. I thought that was so funny because first of all, so realistic and so relatable. I feel like anybody in that situation would have to like scroll through their Rolodex in their head of like examples, like almost like your screenshot folder on your phone. Mm-hmm. And and second, just everyone's reaction. Like Kenya, I think even was so caught off guard because when she's fighting with someone, like everybody's just ready to go. And Sonia's just like, oh, hold on. I got to think for a second. <laughs> but that's exactly my point. It was actually very relatable because I was thinking if I was in an argument with Kenya, that would be me. Like I would totally need a second to gather my thoughts. But the yeah. difference is that I would never willingly enter into one because I know she'd win. Like she's just right. really good at what she does. And I think you know, what I was taken by. And I think what the other women were taken by as well. You even saw Candy's reaction when she was watching. It's like, wait a second, Sonia's going into this. Like she has Kenya pegged and then it very quickly turns. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) Wait, also at the end when they're talking about Marlo and Candy's makeup and Marlo kind of walks us through KFC's involvement in it all. Obviously that was hilarious and I love it. I want them to lean into that more. But I'm very weary of this makeup because I think in present day, Marlo and Candy are not on the best terms. This was one of my favorite editing moves that I've ever seen. And I think it just like captured the essence of actually how Marlo felt about this story of like, wait, you guys are not going to believe this. And I thought it was such a funny human moment and also just shows like their history and that at the end of the day, they do like respect each other as people. I'm weary because I think this means... From Candy's perspective, she's willing to be cordial. She doesn't want to fight every time they sit down at dinner. You know, maybe the next event she'll be fine saying, hello, how are you? But that feeling inside and also knowing how Marlo truly views Candy and Todd and just, I don't know, the hurtful things that she said is not going to go away. I feel like it's a very I will forgive, but I won't forget situation. I know. And I can't blame Candy for that. And I think honestly, where my frustration comes from with Marlo, because most of the time I really do like her, is that she somehow discounts that. Like she forgets that, yeah, she can maybe make up with people, but when you say something like that, it's going to stick. And I feel like she sometimes doesn't allow grace for that to stick. Like, of course, Candy's going to be pissed. If Marlo had a husband and Candy spoke about her husband in the way that Marlo speaks about Todd, she'd have that exact same reaction. Because think about it. What Candy was saying about Michael and William, which wasn't even really about them. It was more so about Marlo. I understand why that was triggering for Marlo, but it wasn't untrue. She was just bringing up a sensitive topic. Well, it brings me back to when Candy and Marlo were on the bus the day after and Marlo just like started chatting to Candy as though nothing had happened and Candy's like why are you even talking to me and Marlo's like almost gaslighting her but I think it actually is genuinely how she feels and is the reason that she's able to make comments like this she's like oh 
why are you so like, why are you holding it in? Like, don't be so hostile. It's fine. I was just joking. You know, we were just talking, like just making it so not a big deal when it is a big deal and you, you hurt people's feelings and you also sort of let them in on how you view them and how you think about them in such a negative way. Like that is not something people just are willing to get over. It wasn't just a joking, silly comment that the next day you could be over. Like your relationship is not that strong to begin with. So this is just like a dent. It's not like you've been best friends for life that there's so much of a foundation to sort of bounce back off of. I think honestly where it comes from, if you really want to scale it back, is that Marlo has more of a desperation to be on the show than Candy does. Candy's spot mm. is very solidified. I mean, I would say that she is one of the most iconic housewives of all time, not just in Atlanta. And so I think that for purposes of heating up an argument, Marlo's willing to go a little bit lower than Candy is because Candy doesn't need those moments to stay relevant. Whereas I think Marlo is still in that phase of just now getting her peach and I almost sometimes feel like she operates under this false understanding that everyone else is going to get it because they know she's just performing. Whereas to a certain extent, fine. But when you start to get really personal, Candy's the last one to understand that you're just performing because she doesn't need to perform, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Candy has so much less to lose and can not fight back and can just say, like, I'm not engaging in this and still be fine where she is. Yeah, she's not going anywhere. I mean, I don't think that Candy no. will ever leave Atlanta until she personally says to Andy, I'm done. Yeah, I agree. Something insanely catastrophic would have to happen, and I just don't see that. I mean, Candy has been such a core part of not just like Atlanta, but just Housewives, like you said, and also has had so many of her own spinoff shows. Like, she is literally the backbone of this channel. I just feel so safe when she's on my screen. Like, she really Same. is one of my comfort Housewives. Yes, totally, yeah. totally. <laughs> the she by Sheree thing they are doing her so dirty in the editing I mean they're honestly not because oh it's, 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 it's factual they're not making anything up but god the tweets that came after Sheree said I only have three weeks to get this fashion show together everyone's like you have had a decade like you better not disappoint us I am rooting so hard for her and I also am like getting a little heated up like you better pull this off like I almost feel like not like a stage mom but like I don't know I just feel like you are not failing like this is your <laughs> fucking time Sheree like let's go like come on no more fucking around I know I feel like a mom on dance moms did you yes. did, we, did we end up posting that tweet it was from like housewives ho for on twitter Nick Cannon's gonna have 18 more children before she by Sheree comes out <laughs> I can't. It's too scary. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm I'm rooting for her. And I will tell you something that if next week when that episode comes out that it really does become live, you have my word. I will absolutely be buying something for that collection for no reason other than she deserves it. And because I've been waiting a decade to get my hand on this product, it better be the best joggers I've ever had. I will believe that they are even if they are not, you know? Me too. Yes. Yeah. It's just the magic of it, the having the label that says she by Sheree in my possession is enough for me. That's what I want. Exactly. It feels so good. <laughs> Accomplished. Yes. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? Um, I think that's it. Okay. I think so too. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and we'll see you then. Thank you. Let's talk about baby making for a second because 
It's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.